And when I say I went through hell, I mean I went through hell. Because from the moment I woke up until about two or three that afternoon, I have never experienced a, an out-of-controlness, a helplessness, a fear. Ever before that, like that in my life. Never. And about lunchtime, I started realizing this is a spiritual attack by the very center of hell. And by one or two o'clock, I knew what I was supposed to preach this month. I just think God needs to come up with a better methodology to lead me. But I ain't kidding. I don't want to and I don't want you to ever have to go through that. I mean, I had literally lost control of my faculties. And God allowed that. If you don't believe me, go to Job 1. What I went through ain't nothing compared to what that old boy went through. Sometimes God just kind of allows that to come into your life. To wake you up. Are you with me? Here's the thing I want you to hear. Okay? Because you have an attack, because you go through some kind of an extraordinary experience of fear and I don't know what else you would call it. That doesn't make you a bad person. That means at least you're in the fight. Because here's the thing that worries me more. Are people that Satan never bothers to mess with. Because if Satan doesn't mess with you, it's because he's already got you where he wants you to be. (laughs) Does that make sense to y'all? Okay. I also am kind of glad he asked me to to preach on this uh, in October. Because it's also Halloween month. Now, I don't tell people not to take their kids out and get candy. What I teach people is go out, get the candy, bring it to the church, and I'll tell you what you can have. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's why I allowed my son to go out, because I love that candy. That's why I'm diabetic today. What I do want to help you to understand, parents, is this. There is only two spirit worlds. Is everybody listening? Okay. There's the Holy Spirit world, and there's the evil spirit world. You say, well, you mean if I'm awful if I let my son dress like a ghost? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am asking you to think about and to ask God about is, how much do I want to kind of enter into this stuff and desensitize myself and my kids to the spirit world? I guess I ought to talk about TV and games and stuff like that. I worry about churches like the one up the street that has a haunted Halloween hayride and a haunted thing. Let me help you with something. Haunted and and demonic are the same word. How churches get to this point where they don't even understand this is beyond me. Okay? But I really worry about this, kids. All I'm saying is, before you buy that or make that Halloween costume, think and pray. 
please? Just stink and pray. You know? There's nothing wrong with Spider-Man. Okay? But you get into some of this spiritual stuff. I worry about these games, too, with the zombies and all that kind of stuff. Oh, what's wrong with a good zombie? Guys, how far, how deep can we get into this stuff or allow our children to get into this stuff and it doesn't have an effect on them? Does that make sense to y'all? Now, don't go out here, my preacher said we can't go out for Halloween. That's not what I said. So I didn't say that. You're going to have to make that, that decision up for yourself. But what I am begging you to do is to pray. Think spiritually, biblically, before you put those costumes on and we laugh about the demonic. That's, that's all I asked you in this whole thing. Our passage of Scripture today is, is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And if you'd like to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, that would be great. It, it's, it's, we'll, we'll, we'll read later the Scripture around it, but it, it says, be alert. Be of sober spirit, sober mind. Your enemy, your adversary, are you with me? Okay. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour or destroy. Now, I want you to hear this. I want you to understand this. I have people come to me all the time and they say, Pastor... The devil has been messing with me this week. Let me help you with something. If Usually I find that if it's just something messing with you, usually we're, we're usually doing that to ourselves. Okay? If it's just messing with you, that's probably something goofy we've come up with. I want you to understand something. Satan is not focused on messing with you. His aim is to destroy you and everything and everyone in your life. I want you to get that from the beginning. I want you to understand that. I want you to understand that he is out to do anything and everything to destroy you and everyone and everything in your world. You need to get that. You need to understand that. It isn't like this little cute story. Well, I've got this little angel over here telling me to do good, and I've got this little angel over It ain't cute. Please look at my face. It ain't cute. He's out to destroy every area of your life. He ain't out to mess with your marriage. He's out to destroy your marriage. He's out to destroy your home. He's out to destroy your relationships. He's out to destroy you professionally. He's out to destroy you. And we need to understand that. You've got to understand. This is, this is the whole... Now listen to this one. You've got to understand evil or the devil or Satan, or the accuser, or whatever you want to call him. He hates God, therefore he hates everything God created and loves. And let me tell you something. God loves you more than anything else in his creation. Put that together, A plus B equals C, he hates you. 
you. He doesn't dislike you. He hates you. Are you with me? You know, I hope I'm getting across my point. He ain't about messing with your kid. He's about destroying your kid. Amen? He don't want to mess with your finances. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy your credit. He wants to destroy everything in your life that he possibly can. Now, you got to understand some things about Satan. Number one, John chapter 8, we'll get to this later, more in, in the weeks to come. Satan is a liar. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. From the very beginning, back in Genesis chapter 3, when he came in the form of a snake and started talking to Eve, what did he do? He lied. He twists. He confuses. He just kind of gets in there and gets his way and will do anything to get it. He has no rules. He has no boundaries. Oh, that's not fair. Why would he kick you while, why would he kick me while I'm down? Because he can. There's, there's no such thing as, well, I've been struggling, so, so I'm sure. Say, no, when you're down, that's when he's going to kick you. And he's not going to kick you in the shoulder. He's going to kick you anywhere it really hurts. You hear me? I mean, he's going to kick you right in the face. He's going to kick you anywhere. He's got you where he wants you. He wants to hurt you. He wants to destroy you. Here's the thing. He never quits. He never gets discouraged. He doesn't recognize discouragement because he is discouragement. He just keeps coming with his evil, destructive pursuits all the time. Now, let me also encourage you. If he can't get you from this angle, guess what he does? Backs up, shakes the cobwebs off, and comes from this angle. You've got to understand this. You've got to get this. If you don't see this, it's because you're not in the fight. Is everybody with me? Okay. You need to understand this. He's there. He's scrapping. He's kicking. He's gouging. He's punching. You know, and he's good at it. You need to understand that. Satan owns nothing. Are you with me? The dude doesn't own anything. But from the beginning, he's promised everything. He even did that to Jesus. Think about this. This is one bold dude. He offered the creator and sustainer of the world, the world. You know what I'm talking about? You know, if you'll just worship me, I'll give you the world. He doesn't own an acre. He doesn't own anything. He really doesn't. But he promises the world. He offers eternal ecstasy. 
And you can use your imagination and take that wherever you want to go, gentlemen. Amen? And power. Yet it is only an illusion. He actually owns nothing and has nothing to give you, just like he had nothing to offer Jesus, but he offered it anyway. Are you with me? Are you with me? We'll get more into this later, but I just want to kind of set you up today, okay? Satan is very effective at causing division. You ever been married? She ever said something that just ticked you off and you're not even sure why it ticked you off? Huh? Are you with me? Anybody brave enough to say yes? Amen? Gerald, you got to help me come up with something that won't turn off on me. All right? Thank you. Thank you. He causes division, especially between us and God. He is always using whatever means necessary to make us doubt God and initiate our belief that somehow God is holding out on us. That's what he did from the beginning. You do know that all sin is, is not trusting God. You don't trust that he's going to provide you what you really want. So you go out and you do it yourself. And when you're doing it yourself, you've got to understand, you're not led by yourself. You're led by evil himself. Are you with me? Okay. Evil will use any means, mental, emotional, relational, financial, ideological, political, etc., to gain a foothold in your life. Are you sensitive to what he is trying to do to you? Are you sensitive to how he is trying to get into your mind? Are you sensitive to how he is trying to get into your emotions? Are you sensitive to how he is trying to get into your relationships? How he's trying to get into the middle of your marriage and bring some kind of pry bar? Are you sensitive to what he is trying to bring into the lives of your children? All these cartoons, they aren't what they used to be. Well, then shut them suckers off. I'm sorry. I've watched some cartoons, and the little girls look like Playboy models. And I'm sorry. When I was a boy, that was not good for me. I'm an old man. It still ain't good for me. Are you with me? I'm a little too honest for some, I know. Make you a little comfortable. Good. Jerry, we need to get something that quits turning off on me, okay? You've got to understand, that foothold that I just talked about, unless it is destroyed by the grace of God and brought down, by the person of God's Holy Spirit, it will develop from a foothold where he kind of gets his foot in the door 
to a stronghold. Something that tears you down all the time. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen. You've got to understand this. This is why we need to get our children saved, let's see, now. Well, my child's only two. Introduce him to the love and grace and salvation of Jesus Christ biblically now. Okay? Because I can promise you, that the evil one's trying to get into that little mind. If you don't believe me, come watch my granddaughter. Acts just like the other grandparents. Right? But no, you've got to understand, he's getting in there, and he will cause strongholds. And you kids know that by the time you're teenagers, you can have strongholds. He doesn't wait till you're an adult. If he can get some kind of psychological stronghold in your mind, in your heart, when you're young, you better believe he's going to introduce that. He's going to establish that. He's going to use that as a beachhead every time he needs to attack you. And the bottom line is it may be something you deal with the rest of your life. Amen? Are you with me? Does everybody understand the seriousness of what I'm saying? The other thing you need to understand is that you are not dealing with an attack that everyone else is not dealing with. Evil loves to isolate us, but all of us are dealing with the daily attacks of the evil one. Please, church, listen to me. Quit going to church. And when somebody says, how are things going? And your life at that point, to put it in King James, stinketh. Quit saying, oh, fine. (laughs) No problems. If everybody goes to church and goes, oh, fine. We don't ever deal with anything. Do it. Oh, but I don't want anybody to know. That's because you don't trust God. You see, I'm not, I'm not supposed to tell what happened to you. I'm not tell, I, humanly, I'm not supposed to tell you what happened to me Tuesday. Because you go out of here and say, My, our pastor, he's a whack job. Okay? I don't, I don't struggle with that. He is a whack job. But the bottom line is, I want you to hear this. If we're not human with each other, if we're not authentic with each other, if we're not real with each other, why bother to come together? And I can promise you something. There's not a week goes by that you don't have a battle too. So if we all come in and are honest with each other and quit playing this little shallow church thing, then the bottom line is we may get something done with and for each other. I'm sorry. I'm not yelling at you anymore. The other thing you have to understand is Satan is not omnipotent and not omniscient and not all-powerful and not all-knowing, but he knows your weaknesses. He knows where we have failed in the past. Anybody else ever failed in the past? Huh? He knows. And he's not stupid. If I box, and back when I used to box, and, and somebody left themselves open for my left, I'm going to that baby all the time, you know? 
doesn't look as smooth as it did when I was young. You know what I'm saying? But you hear what I'm saying. That's the way he is. He ain't stupid. You know, he's going to come after your weaknesses. He's not going to come after your strength. He knows our scars. He knows our fears. He knows where to come at us. He knows our vulnerabilities. And he will use every one of these things to gain an advantage in our lives. Is everybody getting where I'm going here? You know, we do not have an adversary that wants to mess with us a little bit. We have an adversary that desires and has decided to destroy our lives and everything and everyone in it. Are you with me? Jerry, I need to get a thing that... I'm I'm sorry. Today, I want to make sure we understand the intensity of this warfare we are in. Evil wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy our minds. And he wants to destroy our emotions. Amen? Anybody ever struggled there? He wants to destroy our marriage and our home. He wants to destroy our children. He wants to destroy us professionally. He wants to destroy us financially. He wants to destroy and devour everything he is allowed to sink his teeth into. Now, there are some walk around, well, there ain't nothing I can do. No, I told you at the beginning of the sermon that his works have been destroyed. He's already been whooped and whooped good. Amen? But we've got to enact that in our lives. We've got to bring the power of God forward in our lives. We've got to claim the power of God in the middle of the battle. Because you've got to understand the weird part about all this. This is all good. God uses all this for good. God uses all this to build us. God uses all this to build our faith. It's not just Satan's meandering. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's allowing. He wants to destroy your church. He will use any means to keep us divided and mediocre. You see, the worst part about sin is not overt sin where you do axe murdering or your head twists around three times. The worst part about sin is mediocrity. Well, we're not really on fire for God. We're not bad. We're good. You know what the greatest enemy of God is? Good and nice. Well, I'm good. Well, are you God? You see, the thing is, God isn't good and nice. God is holy and love. Are you with me? Are you with me? He will use any means necessary to show our children. Listen to this one. Let me say this one again. He will use any means necessary to show our children that church and church people are no different than the rest of the sinful world they live in. You ever heard that? Be honest. Have you ever heard that? Be honest. Have you ever done that? Of course we have. Of course we have. Remember, Satan hates you 
And he especially hates Christ's church. He knows that Christ's church is the only vehicle that can destroy his onslaught. Therefore, he is in desperation mode. He will use anything to wreak havoc and confusion on us personally and what Christ wants us to accomplish in his church. Are we prepared? Are we prepared? Do we walk out of here, even before we walk out of here, are we prepared that Satan's going to start attacking our mind before we reach that well-worn door right there? That's a hint. Somebody needs to paint. Okay? Do we know that? Are we prepared for that? Do we have our armor on? And that's what we'll talk about next week out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. Is your armor on? Do you have your feet prepared for what's coming at you? Do you have your helmet of salvation on? Your breastplate of righteousness? Your belt of truth? Do you have your shield ready? The shield of faith? And do you have that sword of the spirit, God's word? Are you ready for the battle? Are you? I ain't just giving a talk. Are you? Are you prepared? Are you ready for the attack? Is your connection with Christ powerful and consistent? Are you braced for the attack? Is your armor on? Are you ready to do a little attacking yourself? One time when I was in high school, there was this little boy, and, and this, this, there was a guy, he was a brute, and he decided to fight him. And that little dude just stood there, and that dude was just walloping on him. I was like, dude, do you realize you're in a fight? Do you realize you are getting whooped on? Do you even realize it? He didn't. So I stepped in and made sure I took care of that situation. But do, are you ready for that attack, all right? Are you ready to turn the momentum and take the battle to the evil one and put him to fear and flight himself? You see, you're part of a church, and the church has the power of God so the very gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That doesn't mean we've got gates and, oh, I hope he doesn't get us. That means you take the power of God, you go out of these doors, and you start praying for your neighbors, you start praying for your family, you start praying for your friends, and in God's time and in God's way, you take the gospel of Jesus Christ and you do a little whooping of your own. I'm serious. Church, that's who we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Not sit around licking our wounds all the time, wondering if we're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. The war's already won. Now go win some battles. I'm sorry I'm preaching, but just needed to preach. Just felt like I should. Pastor, how, I, how do I do this? Look at back at First, First Peter chapter 5. How do I do this, Pastor? How do I get into this fight? How do I, how do I take this fight to the enemy? First thing you've got to do is you've got to humble yourself, verse 6, under, under and before God. He 
is the only hope you have and is the only power you need. Are you with me? You know, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. I want you to understand that the bottom line is he's all you actually got and he's all you actually need. Are you with me? You know, you got it, baby. Go on out there and do a little whooping. You know, quit sitting there wondering whether you're going to make it till the next week. Jerry, we need to get something. Here's the part that's a little difficult that you need to understand. It says, at the right time, he will exalt you. You see, when I pray, I want God to do bada bing, bada boom. Amen? That's the kind of stuff. I hear those guys on television, bada bing, bada boom. Boom! God did it. I think we ought to take this verse part out of the Bible. At the right time should mean when I want it done. Amen? Anybody with me? Let's have a vote. Is there a second? (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes I get my feelings hurt because God doesn't do what I want him to do when I want him to do it. That's hard for me sometimes. Is it hard for you? Anybody else struggle with that? You know, I don't want at the right time. I want, let's see, now. Okay? But at the right time, he will exalt you. He will pull you out of the mess you have made. He will give you the courage and the strategy to take the fight to the evil one. In in chapter 5, verse 7, it says what you have to do. Because what you've got to understand something. When you decide to fight, you're going to be a little scared if you're not used to fighting. Amen? There's going to be a little fear. You're going to be like, what have I just decided to do? There's going to be some questions. Am I going to win this thing? Do do I know what I'm doing? Was he serious? Is God actually going to be there? Do you ever wonder that? That's okay. Verse 7 says, cast all your fear and your anxiety on Christ because he really does care about you and he cares about the battle you are in. It is only Christ that can turn the tide of the battle and bring life and victory to that which seems like, and hear this, that which seems like sometimes it seems like a hopeless mess. Anybody with me? Anybody been there? Anybody wondered? Chapter 5, verse 9 says, resist him, talking about the enemy. In all the faith you can muster. Sometimes your faith may seem weak and your faith may seem fleeting. But remember, the smallest of faith can move mountains. There are some times I get in the fight and I go, man, I ain't feeling real strong here. I'm sorry, I know my personality. You think I just like to scrap every day, but the bottom line is sometimes I get in the middle of stuff and go, what in the world have I done to myself? I feel fearful. I don't feel real courageous. But right then is when I need to muster the little bit of faith that I got and say, God, 
you said, if I have the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, that we can cast this tree into the river, or I can move this mountain, then God, I'm going to bring to you all I got. And here's the cool part about God. That's all he expects. Are you with me? Are you with me? Jerry? And the other thing you need to remember is everyone is fighting the same fight you're fighting. Do not allow evil to convince you that everyone else is getting a free ride. Do you ever feel like everybody, everybody else has everything going for them and everybody else has a free ride and nobody else has temptations and problems but me? And that just stinks. I get mad then. Anybody else get mad then? How come you don't do that stuff to Stan? He deserves it. No, I'm, I'm kidding, but you hear what I'm saying. There's just some people that seem like they just get a free ride in all this, and I, I, it's just not fair. Do not allow evil to convince you that everyone else is getting a free wild, wild ride while you are battling what seems like an unwinnable war. And five, but 510 is the key. Are you listening, looking at 510? Look at 510. There is a purpose. Okay, get excited. Get a little pumped. I know it's time to go to lunch. Get a little pumped. All right? There's a purpose in all this. You know? In God's time. In God's way. God in this, through all of this, through this attack, through this struggle, through these battles, God himself will perfect you. Now, that doesn't mean you're ever going to be perfect in the sense that you never have any struggles, you never do anything wrong, you never think wrong, you never say anything wrong. That's not what it means. You know what it means? Is through all of this, God will give you a maturity. God will give you a vision. God will give you a passion that you've never experienced before because of all the junk you're going through. Are you with me? Are you there? And the bottom line is, that's what it means. He will perfect you. He will confirm you. He will set you down and say, boy, girl, it's okay. You're on the right track. This isn't really a problem. This is really something I'm building you through. He will confirm that you're okay. You're going to get there. Even though it may feel like you're not, you're going to get there. You're going to be okay. God will see you through. And the bottom line is, he's the one that's actually in control. He will strengthen you. Man, I don't know about you, but sometimes I need that. I need God to come down with his right arm and give me a strength and a power that I've never had before. Are you with me? You know, and he will establish you. There is eternal purpose in all of this he's doing. Two biblical dynamics before we're done. The first one is, I want you to understand, there's two ways to deal with these spiritual situations. The first person I want to introduce you to is Saul. He was the first king of Israel. God filled him at that point with his Holy Spirit, and he actually, it says he became a new person, a different person. But somehow, Satan was able to work into Saul's mind and heart a jealousy and bitterness toward David. And it took over his life. It became a stronghold. And from then on, every aspect of his life was evil and hateful for the rest of his life. Then there's David. 
his nemesis. David, now don't get me wrong. David made some extraordinarily stupid decisions. Aren't you thankful that you and I have never made any extraordinarily stupid decisions? Amen? Hallelujah. That's just wonderful. He got up on a roof and he saw this fine looking woman and he decided, I want to be with her. So he was. He committed adultery. And then to deal with the situation, what he decided to do was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of uh, the problem, so I'm going to kill her husband so I can have her. How'd that work out? But the difference was that David realized through Nathan what he had done, what he had been. And David repented. I'll say it again. Y'all say amen. David repented. David turned a 180. David said, I am sorry. David said, I want your spirit. I, want, I am so sorry. I will probably live with this sin the rest of my life. And it will affect my life the rest of my life. But... God reestablished him. God reconnected with him. And God renewed his kingship, which he had stripped from Saul. And the bottom line is, he was one of the greatest kings in all of human history. Are you with me there? One more thing. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. Remember the story? Cain brought to God his leftovers, his seconds. God said, nah. Abel brought his best. God acknowledged Abel's offering because it was his excellence. It was his best. Please hear what I'm saying. God will not accept your defects. He will cover your defects with his blood, but he'll also make your defects holy. Amen? Amen? But if all we offer God is our second best and our seconds, God's like, nah, I don't do seconds. I don't do a microwave dinner. Now, I do. I'll eat anything, all right? But God won't, all right? Cain decided, hmm, I'm just going to pout. You ever pout? Did anybody here ever pout? My grandson gets that lip at pout. God looked at Cain and said, listen, Cain, I want you to understand, sin, Satan, is crouching at the door of your life. And he wants to take over and consume and dominate your life. Friends, let me let, me let you on a secret. Sin and Satan are crouching at the door of your life too. And he wants to dominate you. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. He wants to dominate you. Here's the cool part. God said to Cain, but you must master it. Somebody's mine. Here's the cool part. If he tells Cain to master sin and Satan... Guess what he just told Cain? 
you, by the power of God, have the ability to master sin and Satan. 